Welcome back to Sitcom Archive Deep Dive Overdrive. This is the um, the second episode of our podcast, um, but it's actually the first episode proper, if you like, of because we're going to have a, a look at the first ever episode of The Good Life, which was entitled, can you remember, Al? Um, yep, yeah, Plough Your Own Furrow. That's right. Plow your own for Actually, we should we should with such amateurs we should say hello as well. I'm oh. Eggs Benedict, your co-host. I'm Alison, your other co-host. <laughs> yes, <laughs> um, yeah, and, just here for the ride. And we've been we've been a bit lax, um, but since our first episode, we've invested in some proper recording equipment. So hopefully, this one's going to sound. Um, substantially better than the first episode, which as I think, as we said at the time, was recorded with a piece of string and some cups. Yeah, all the way from New Zealand to Bolton in Lancashire. But yeah, it does feel. I'm impressed. I'm 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 impressed with our setup now. It's um, it feels it feels authentic. Yeah, and you know, if our podcast ever becomes big, people then just comment slagging us off for our unprofessionalness and. Yeah, that's alright. They thought right. they were good. They thought they had it sorted and it sounds so shit and tinny. Because they had a microphone that was red. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well. So, um, in our first episode, we just had a look at um, the good life in general and talked about the show and where the comedy comes from and the issues that it discussed. But now, um, and from, from here forevermore, we're just going to be t- taking each episode to dive into a specific episode of the show one by one and just, you know, deconstruct it and talk about what we like about it and um, et cetera. So uh, I think one thing we did say in the first episode was um, we mistakenly said um, that On The Up starred Joe McCann. And it didn't. What a faux pas. (laughs) Schoolboy errors. So apologies to Joe McCann for that. He was, of course, in the upper hand with um, Honor Blackman and... Who else? <laughs> How unprofessional uh, we are. We, can't, we haven't even yeah, researched even, that mistake. Well, yeah. um, there was a young girl, and I can't remember what she's called. If I, if I say who I think it might be, we'll be apologising again next week further for four pars. So. That that could be a running trope. Each week we apologise for the previous week's mistakes. <laughs> that's, that's probably yeah, a good idea. That's, that's how we'll start it, each one. <laughs> so the other thing before we get going, I think, to mention is that we're recording this Right in the middle, in the midst. Uh, well, we're still in the middle of the um, of the Roni. The, the coronavirus is still rampant in in the UK. Not where I am because we've got a good prime minister, but where yep. you are. Um, and we've also got the Black Lives Black Lives Matter movement going on. So I'm really glad that there's no contentious characters or remarks in this episode of the Good Life that Absolutely. we have to dance around. It crossed my mind that would we need to sort of say something at the beginning in order to put it into context, but. But no, there's not, which is, yeah. Just give it a couple of episodes and that's when we'll find that we probably do have to say, oh, well, different times. Yeah. Well, we're not doing, um, what was that one with, with uh, about the two families living next door to each other? We're not going to do that, are we? <laughs> Love thy neighbour? No, we won't touch that, I don't <laughs> think. Let's not. No, probably for the best. Yeah. All right, so let's get stuck in then to episode one, season one, episode one, Plough Your Own Furrow. Yay. Good life, good life, good life, good life, good life, good life, good life. So so this episode opens with, with Tom basically sat in his house, opening his 40th birthday cards um, on his own initially. 
But yeah. straight away, you can see that Tom, as I mentioned in the last episode, is a noisemaker, isn't he? He is a noisemaker, yes. With his tapping and his, his whistling. And... Oh. Yawning, sighing, sniggering. Yeah. I know I'm going to try not to be too harsh on Tom because I think yeah. last last time out I called him a and then we worked out that I'm not allowed to say and now I've said again. Oh. So there's my bleep machine gone into overdrive. Let's, let's get the beeps out. One thing I will mention is I, I ended up watching re-watching this with subtitles on um, and the amount of times that the subtitles said sighing <laughs> uh, because he'd just gone <sighs> just just constantly throughout the, the scene. Yeah, so on the subtitles, it yeah, sighing a lot. <laughs> That's just Tom. And there he was. Yes. And then... So, so he's sort of talking to himself, which is a bit odd. And then um, it's like a, in a recurrent theme that runs through the entire series, he uh, is immediately misogynistic. What he called when he says, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> and Barbara comes into the room. And, uh, what, what had he done to, what had she done to upset him? I can't remember. Was it to do with the birthday cake? Some, some snide remark d- on a birthday card or something. It, oh, it was. Yes, it was. It was, oh, yeah, it was referring to him being old in the birthday card, and what a bitch! <laughs> yeah, it was quite, it was quite amusing as well. But yeah, he yeah. Hashtag different times, but mm-hmm. um, she takes it in her stride, I think. And then yeah. what we see then is to- is Tom sort of ruminating melancholically about mm-hmm. aging and bemoaning the achievements of other historical figures and what they'd achieved by the age of forty, which is um, yep. his fortieth birthday. Yeah, and he just sort of wishes he could just. I think he says, doesn't he? I wish I could just get it right. Yeah, he he says because um, I, I wrote this down because I find it quite interesting. He just felt like a grotty little cog in a whacking great machine, which I thought mm. was quite a quite a nice way to describe how you how you might feel at forty. And I think that would probably resonate with a lot of people watching, mm. even even contemporary audiences, if not yeah. more so. 40 does seem to be that sort of point where you sort of look back and and look forward to what's left and and sort of just evaluate where you're up to in life. Yeah, and Tom's just frustrated and he vents a bit, but then I think um, Barbara bats her eyelids and invites him to bed, which is another recurring theme we'll come back to. Yes. She's always inviting yeah. him to bed. He's always getting yeah. his oats. Yeah, bless him. So then um, I think we pick up the following day and Jerry... Um, who were first introduced to um, Jerry Ledbetter, the next door neighbour, comes around and picks Tom up. Yeah. Um, for work, they both work in the same place. Um, Tom and Jerry. Uh, Tom's a draftsman, and um, Jerry picks him up in his bright yellow boxy car. <laughs> and I don't know if you noticed, Al, but it was an automatic. Was it? I didn't. I didn't spot that. Yeah. I mean, he's he's doing well for himself, isn't he, Jerry? But he's driving an yeah. automatic in 1974. So oh. good for Jerry. And then you got Tom and Barbara's silly Dalek routine as they're leaving the house. Yeah, that that I don't know why that, that I'd missed that before, and I don't know why because it was really I felt a bit embarrassed for him watching that bit. With the, yeah, with the it was a bit, but it does give you the first insight of them being very playful and silly, which yeah, yeah, more of later on in the episode with the um, bird bath as well. Well, yeah, I mean, I think this episode we'll say so at the end probably, but it's not really high on humor. It's very much set in the scene. There's yes. not much to laugh at in it. And no. I suppose they needed a bit of lightness. And mm. t- Tom going out, giving it commute, commute, I suppose was yeah. as, as funny as it gets. <laughs> as in this funny one. as it got. 
podcast. <laughs> yeah. yeah. We are fans, honestly. Um, yeah. <laughs> so they head off to work um, and then we get a scene, which I actually found quite amusing, I must admit, which is like this sort of Captain Mannering looking motherfucker welcoming yeah. him in, in, his, in his like uniform. I think in he's a car park Arden. attendant. Yeah. <laughs> and he salutes Jerry. He gives him a salute. <laughs> I thought that was cool. But he doesn't recognise Tom, much to Tom's chagrin. Mm. Um, and then weirdly, the dude blames his sciatica on not knowing who Tom is. <laughs> Did you clock that one? No, I missed that. He's like, I've worked here for years. And the guy's went, yeah, sorry, I've got sciatica. And I thought, what? <laughs> Oh, I'll have to use that next time I fuck up something. Yeah, next time you don't, don't hand in a permission slip for the kids at school. Say sorry, I've got a veruca. Oh, my, yeah, <laughs> ridiculous. Anyway, so you know, Tom's still a little bit grumpy, I suppose, on his fortieth birthday. Not even the parking yep. attendant recognizes him. But by the time he's ascended to his office, he seems to be—he uh, sort of enters full of bonhomie and yeah, and clearly the. The colleagues are already sick of the fucker because none of them even look up. Nobody even takes him on when he walks in. He walks in and he's like, morning, morning, good morning. <laughs> and they're all like, oh, fucking hell, this bastard. <laughs> oh, he's here. <laughs> Jesus Christ, one day. Oh. I would, imagine it was a long weekend and they just had a bank holiday and it was a Tuesday. Oh. It's like, oh, I've had a lovely three-day break from this Yeah. Point. And here he is again. With his fucking balloon. His balloon the balloon thing. Oh, I just... He's trying to play catch with one of the other guys that's busy. Just, oh, you you would just the guys just giving him giving him daggers. I yeah. don't want to play blue on you. You're you're a grown man, yeah. dickhead. Yeah. But there is one um, person who does come over and talk to him. He's a bit of a lick spittle. I thought he sort of comes over and starts kicking. Yeah, I think his name was Brian, and he comes over and starts kissing Tom's ass. And yes, I think he says to him, Ev- "Everybody knows it's you that brings their ideas to life, Mister Good." <laughs> He does, um, and then the 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 mention of the cricket, um, the cricket game that had happened that he'd not been invited to ball at, and then it all just sort of falls to shit again. Yeah, he's um, that guy was in a way it was like a microcosm of what comes in the next scene where Tom's trying to suck up to Sir. Yeah, because this this guy's trying to ingratiate himself to Tom, but clearly thinks he's too old to play cricket, so yeah. he's fucked it up. <laughs> Tom throws his toys out of his pram but um, before that is allowed to manifest and sort of become too uncomfortable he gets summoned up to the sixth floor where yep. Jerry um, Jerry operates from that's I think it seems to me that Jerry is evidently his boss his direct boss do you think yeah because when they were talking about when they first joined the company together and then Jerry has this big sort of spiel about if you'd have worked as hard as me you could be on this floor, which sort of, yeah, it did make me think perhaps Jerry's like a supervisor and he's, he's, he's sort of of a higher ranking than, than Tom. Yeah. Because, I think... Tom, because Tom just didn't take it seriously enough. Well, Jerry's telling him all that, but Tom's still preoccupied with the cricket to give a shit. I mean, he just doesn't yes. care. Yeah. Um, he's Jerry's sort of saying, this is why you're not here. You don't strive to get ahead and you don't crawl mm. enough. And yeah. uh, Tom's like, well, we're making toys to put in cereal boxes. So fuck that. Yeah, absolutely. He doesn't. He doesn't seem that fussed, to be honest, about about getting the um, the job on the the next floor up. No, and and I tell you what, um, 
the best thing in this scene for me is, Al, did you notice there's a bottle of Gordon's gin on Jerry's desk? <laughs> <laughs> it's like, no, no, he's gone up, he's picked up Tom, he's head to the office, got up to the sixth floor and he's cracked open the Gordon's. Wow. And he's quick. driving. Yeah. Hashtag different times. <laughs> so, so Jerry's on the gin and then um, the uh, sir turns up. I, yeah. I do dislike that fact that he, I mean, I guess it's part of Jerry's character that he creeps and crawls to the yeah, guy, but the fact that they crawler, all call him it? sir. Oh, yeah, definitely. But th- just the fact they all call him sir, it's horrible. Mm. It's so obsequious, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, it is. Um, and he, so he turns up. And, but Jerry, to his credit, he tries to get Tom noticed. He does. He tries to push forward um, Tom's ideas about the um, the, the plastic rhinoceros hippopotamus hippopotamus yeah or is it a rhinoceros is it a hippo i think you're right it's a hippo yeah it is a a hippo this is where we have to apologize in the next episode (laughs) yeah that i've said the wrong zoo animal zoo animal like wild animal zoo animal um um, so he, he pushes he pushes tom forward yep sir this is this is who's been designing um the hippopotamus um and then they come up with the great idea of the next thing that they're going to be working on is the giraffe, as if that's supposed to be like a lure into working working harder and getting on the next floor. And of course, Tom, once again, could not give a flying shit about nope. any of it and struggles to um, feign interest and mm. just basically laughs laughs about the whole thing and runs away before he, yep. before he corpses completely and, yep. um, and fucks it up, basically. But... I mean, we cut then, don't we? Back to um, back to Tom at home. Yeah. With with Barbara listening to classical music, um, slumped yep. in his armchair in front of a roaring fire and drinking a glass of wine, and mm. he just couldn't. Give it. He just he's telling Barbara about it, but he couldn't care less. He's basically nope. just he's lost interest whatsoever in Absolutely. his job. Uh, the fact that that Barbara joins in as well, she's she's sort of almost like poking fun at his job. Um, so if he needed any convincing that the job really wasn't going anywhere and it wasn't for him, um, that almost puts like a nail in the coffin before what happens next for me. Yeah, I think so. Cause they agree that yeah. it's stupid. And then they, they also agree that they don't need things, which mm. is sort of the stepping stone to the, the next logical conclusion. They're not interested yep. in things they're not materialistic people. And that then prompts Tom to go into one of his, um, what will soon be recognised as regular manic, man-child um, yes. sort of states. And he goes, paper, paper, woman. And she rushes <laughs> off to get him paper. Give me some paper, bitch. <laughs> no, he didn't quite say that, but um, he might as well have done. She rushes yeah. and gets him, gets him some paper. And then Tom sits there and makes a really simple list of thoughts about his current situation that he could well have just kept in his own head. Yes. Um, but it, it, it serves as good exposition. If you put it on paper, it's um, official, isn't it? Yeah. And I think it's just to explain. I mean, basically, he lists that he doesn't like his job. He doesn't like the industry or even work per se. And yeah. he doesn't want to feel the same way next year when he's 41. Yes. And then I think Barbara... Just bloody makes a pass at him again, and yeah, she does. <laughs> heads off she to does bed, and then goes to bed, and he then spills that wine all over himself. That he's That's laid weird, eh? To drink, I t- I, it came out of nowhere. That I wasn't really expecting 
that to happen. I thought he'd just relax on the couch, but then he tips it all over his face and it's a really bit of a weird thing. Well, I'm assuming it was supposed to be a bit of slapstick whereby he just slipped and poured it over his face and it was a bit of a oh, laugh, but he didn't do it, it very well, did he? It didn't work and it was a bit creepy. <laughs> just sloshed a load of bloody wine over. I just thought, what a waste. Yeah. yeah. So after inexplicably pouring the wine over himself for no good reason, the next thing you see yeah. is Barbara coming down to check on him because he hasn't uh, taken her up, taken her up on her <laughs> offer of a little bit of, uh, you know, uh, nighttime. I'm trying to think of a euphemism for sex. Why don't I just say he hasn't come up and give her a good fucking seeing to? Yeah. So she comes down to think. She's thinking to herself, "I'm Felicity Kendall. Why? Why the hell not?" She comes mm. down to find out what Tom's up to, and he's still in his mania, isn't he? Yeah. Um, you know, she's she's sort of coquettishly um, tempted him up to bed and he's mapped out his whole new way of living in the meantime. Yes, he's, he's, yes. He's on one. I, I, I quite, I, that, that scene when she comes downstairs and when you think about what your response might be to come down and then you, your partner has mapped out the rest of your life for you. The fact that she didn't laugh to start off with, I thought I thought was quite a, quite sweet. Um, mm. And the, the only thing that she needed to do was to go and think, go and think in the garden with the wellies on about this new, this prospect of a completely radical new life. Um, and she had to just put a coat on and a wellies on and go in the garden to think about it. Yeah. And, and that's what she, I think that was established earlier in the episode that that's what she does. She walks around the garden to have a think. To think. Yeah. Which is like, I think it's quite sweet and understanding. But he's sort of hovering in the doorway, isn't he? She yes, comes in, asks just, a couple of questions to clarify. Yeah. Um, but the, the proposal from Tom is that they should get on with the job of working on the job of life itself, I think. Yes. Embrace self-sufficiency, recycle, grow vegetables, get livestock, yep. etc. And I thought initially she was going to flip. She looked at him like yeah. she was going to smack him. Yeah. But, but she gets on know, board quite quickly. Yeah, and and a lot of the criticism of Tom's character, you know, I quite happily stick the boot into Tom, but mm-hmm. people say he dragged her along, and I don't think he did. I think she had a little I don't think, think about so. it and thought, I'll give that a go. And, and she, obviously, from like the, the the rest of the series, she's she's on board. She's definitely on board. They are a they are a partnership, aren't they? There's no sort of like one pulling the strings for the other. They are both well into yeah, it. Yeah, I think so. I totally think so. I think the the main problem. Um, with Tom's personality and overbearingness is that he just doesn't consider her feelings in, in future mm. episodes and, and mm-hmm. how the sacrifices she's made affect her. It's yeah. not that she's he's cajoled her into doing it at all. No. For me. No. And I think it's 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 just down to his sort of like human enthusiasm, isn't it? He's so excited about the, the prospects of this new life and making the changes and doing it, thinking it and thinking it and then actually physically doing it are sort of two different things, but he, he, they, they managed to do it and it is it is difficult, but um, I think he just sort of just gets caught up in his own enthusiasm sometimes. I It doesn't take me much to get dragged along with, with enthusiastic people. Um, yeah. So I think I would be a Barbara. I'd be like, yeah, come on, let's get on with it. That's how you Let's ended up gold. doing this. <laughs> and then, yes, <laughs> shocker. Uh, but then, weirdly, Tom inexplicably then, as soon as she agrees, tries to talk her out of it, which, again, is a bit odd. I think maybe he's just given her the chance to realise all of the sacrifices out. she'll have to make. Yeah. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Um, but she says, no, let's go for it. And um, and then 
Next thing you know, we cut to a shot of outside Jerry and Margot's window. And um, obviously we don't see Margot in this episode, which is probably no. why it's one of the weaker episodes of the entire series, because she's the I best character agree, in yeah. it. Yeah. But we do hear her, and she's sort of setting out her character stall early by nagging Jerry to find out what all the noise is about. Yep. And um, Jerry reluctantly gets up and has a look out the window, and he sees the goods dancing in their goldfish pond, celebrating mm-hmm. their life-changing decision to, to his bafflement. Mm-hmm. And then it sort of just fades out then to the sound of the Leadbetters continuing arguing. Yes. But it's quite fun again seeing Jerry and, uh, sorry, Tom and Barbara dancing about being silly. Yeah, I like the silliness. They are a, such a silly couple um, and that gets sort of stronger the more episodes that, that you sort of get into. Um, but I think it does set the scene quite early on that these are quite a sweet, fun-loving, just a cute couple. I think I think they're they're lovely. I'm kind of wondering what they'd be like as parents because what you've got there is two actively sexual, sexually active um, yeah. couples in their 30s and 40s who have no kids and never seem With to. With no kids? You know, yeah. yeah. And, and like, you'd think that with their playful nature, they'd be really good with kids. Yeah. It's, um, it, it was one of them things, as, uh, watching it as like um, a child, I suppose, on like reruns on TV. Um, it, it, that that's that was one of the first things that struck me because obviously some of the some of the humor as a as a child went over my head you don't you don't quite understand what's going on but you can see that it's the the, the fun characters and um I, I definitely liked them but the fact that they didn't have kids you didn't see that quite you didn't see that often on TV it was always families or it was older older people but people that are sort of like our age I suppose um and children not being present in that story um mm. Was I suppose I don't know quite radical really. I suppose people did have kids older probably in the seventies mm. than they do now. Yeah. But still, I mean, the age gap between the two couples is over ten years in both cases, isn't it? Yeah. But that's just that's just par for the course on in TV and movies even to this day, isn't it? You watch a movie mm. with Tom Cruise in and his partner's like twenty years younger than him. It's just yes, part um, of the patriarchy. It is. So, um, I think. Just to finish off the episode, the next day when Jerry comes around to collect Tom for work, he sees an array of industrial farming equipment, which yeah. Tom has <laughs> m- miraculously procured overnight. Overnight? Uh, with no internet? It, it really struck me as how, how quick he managed to do that without sort of being able to, let me just Google where there's a small holding and, and try and get hold of these bits and pieces and there's a gulp coming at lunchtime. How how did he, how has they managed that without the internet? He's, run, he's running on adrenaline. He's probably sprinted <laughs> to the farmers market, haggled with a guy, and then towed it back like a himself pulling the, pulling yeah. the whole thing behind him. He's still just, in a um, shirt and tie. Yeah, he still had a shirt and tie and a jumper on doing all this as well. Yeah, well, he had that green jumper that he wears for the rest of the series. Now he's not. Yes. Now he's not an but employed but, man. But he's still got his shirt and tie underneath, which I found quite funny that he was he was ready to get stuck in with um. Plowing the field and um, yeah, he's in a shit and tie doing it. He's still irritatingly cheerful at this point, and he, de- he <laughs> declares that he declares that he's sacked, sacked, sir, and he's not coming back, and yeah. he's embracing this new life. And Jerry declares them totally insane, and he's clearly a bit concerned about uh, about yes. the impending arrival of a goat, which I think sets the scene for the next episode. Yes. Um, and then we just fade out to the credits as Tom begins churning up his pristine lawn. I <laughs> know. Oh, yeah. 
quite shocking that it's like something out of a horror film <laughs> you watch mild <laughs> horror films that's that's what scares you oh it made me yeah it, it made me feel a bit ill did you did you enjoy the episode I did enjoy it, yeah. Um, as, as sort of a scene setting, it's very, very clear, isn't it, what, what the story's going to um, be about. And I quite like that, the fact that um, it sets the scene for each of the characters. I, knowing what you sort of know from watching the remainder of the series about Margot, for example, um, like watching that first episode, you've no idea what's coming um, mm. with regards to Margot, and that makes me feel quite excited. Rewatching the first episode made me feel quite excited that we don't get to see her, but then I, she's, like, displayed in all her splendour from that point onwards. Yeah, and I think, to a certain extent, the writers didn't know what a big part of it she would become either because it became a, an ensemble between the two couples. It was probably yes. they were more supporting characters, it, yeah. originally envisaged as supporting characters. Mm. And they just grew to be more than that because that's what good writers do. They adapt to to the what way that the direction the of the actors yeah. are going. Yeah. Yeah. I enjoyed it. Um I think it is the least humorous possibly of any of the of any of the episodes, but it's necessarily yes. that way, isn't it? Mm. Um I think um the I think seeing the 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 the, the bird bath it's not a birdbath, is it? It's the goldfish pond, isn't it, in the garden. Seeing that bit sort of gives you a bit of a glimpse um, of the humour that's, that's sort of to come. But no, it's it's not really sort of played for, for laughs, is it, really? No. It's almost foreshadowing of that scene where they're all pissed later on and they're all dancing in the <laughs> garden, isn't it? Yes. It's one yeah. of the best scenes of the entire show. Oh, I'm looking forward to that. So um, I'll tell you one thing that I'm embarrassed to admit to you, though, Al. Um, I didn't realise until we started making this podcast that Surbiton mm-hmm. is a real place. <laughs> yes, it is. It's in Surrey. I just thought it was like a pun on like Suburbitans or Suburbitans. Sub- you know. Yes, so, like Surrey and suburbia, all all sort of. In, yes, I can I can understand that. I just felt a bit. But it is a real when place. I said, when I said it to my wife, and she was just looked at me like I was an idiot. But then again, her. Her mum's her mum's from down south, so maybe maybe she's got more reason to know that Surbiton's a real place. But Surbiton's I just thought a real a, thing. Yeah, I thought it was a fictional t- TV land, like Royston Vasey or oh. something. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so in the first of um, in the first of what's going to be a regular series, because um, Al's particularly enamoured with the fashions of the seventies on display in this show, we'll have a little trip over to Al's fashion corner. Fashion, fashion corner. corner. Fashion corner. corner. Fashion Corner, Fashion Corner. One of the, the, the first things that, that struck me about um, this episode in particular is it's 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 quite... Um, the, the fashion in it is quite dull. That sounds um, a bit judgy, but there's, there's, there's not much to go off. Um, I think I mentioned earlier about Tom and his... Um, shirt and tie underneath his jumper when he's when he's going out to sort of like work in the field but I think that's that's again of a time because I remember um my my granddad um would be doing odd jobs in a shirt and tie around that time and it, it must have just been what you did you just put your shirt and tie on and, and a jumper over the top but I think it was a little bit mid middle class thing as well i don't right, know if okay. necessarily the most blue collar type workers like i had no. two granddads one was quite one was a docker and right. he wouldn't have been in a shirt and tie no um 
But the other one, he worked as he worked for the Liverpool Echo, and yeah. so sort of delusions of grandeur a little bit and he, he he would always have a shirt a collar and tie on even into his retirement yeah. no matter what every day he'd have a collar and tie with Absolutely. a jumper at the top yes so maybe maybe it is it's, it's like a certain sort of is it a class of person or a type of person but yeah it, that struck me as like wow that's a odd fashion decision for working in your garden but that's yeah over time hashtag over time um, Jerry's ties um, in this episode, um, it's something that I watch out for because um, I think I think I think Jerry's quite a sharp dresser, um, and I don't mm. think he would look out of place um, sort of around town. Now I think he's he's, he's definitely got um, good fashion sense. I don't know whether that's sort of like a, a Margot influence, but um, his ties in particular are something that, that strike me. Um, and he, he does wear a tie in this episode, and it is amazing. Um, it's sort of navies and pinks and um, it's swirls and circles, um, a bit of a paisley look to it, but it's it, it's fab and I, I would buy that. I would buy that for my husband to wear now because I think it's um, it's really sharp. So yeah, I've, I think Jerry is definitely um, a fashion icon to, to watch throughout this and I will be keeping my eye on, on what he's wearing. Um, what about Sir? Did you did you think much of Sir's get up? Because I can see, I, knowing your husband as I do, I can see him get <laughs> He look, he's like <laughs> Captain Peacock-looking motherfucker, isn't he? <laughs> yeah, that, Captain. Get him to. I'd love to see John, Johnny dressed up like Captain Peacock. Johnny That'd dressed, be great. As, yes, yeah. It's um, it's there's like a, with suits. I think suits of the seventies fascinate me because they're like the cut with the um, like the flared bottoms to a suit. Um, that that whole era of, of, of male clothing does fascinate me um, the cuts of people's suits and um, the fabrics I think it's yeah I'm, I'm, I'm quite looking forward to sort of just keeping my eye on um, what they're all what they're all wearing and there's only really one one female character in this episode which is Barbara I yes. noticed that her skirt matched her d- curtains the curtains yeah. matched the drapes <laughs> it's all very so- <laughs> it's all very sort of like Laura Ashley um, flowery Floaty prints, um, which which uh, uh, yeah, oh, I, I think it's women women's clothes in the seventies. Unless you were going to go extreme, Margot, um, quite generally quite dull and um, just big and flowery. Do you think they missed the trick not getting not getting um, Barbara to be a bit more? You know, at this point where she's got disposable income through through Tom. Mm. Do you think maybe they could yeah. have had her glammed up a bit more to show her sacrifice later when she's wearing? I know, do because I don't think that li- the line between sort of pre, um, like still still working, still in in his job, to then breaking free of that and then working for themselves at home. There's no real. I don't know. I don't think you see a big jump in the way that Barbara dresses. Um, no, I agree. Or it's not that noticeable. Maybe as time goes on, I might have to do a, an apology because um, there is a bit a, a marked difference. But but after watching the first episode, I, I can't think of anything sort of drastic that happens with regards to Barbara's yep. fashions. No, she takes a back seat very much. It's it's really yeah. just about Tom and his decision, isn't it? Hmm. So one of the things I think we said we were going to do is we're going to do some power ratings for the four main characters. And yes. keep track as we go along, and you know, um, we can 
give them marks out of five with five being top and one being bottom for their performance mm-hmm. in the episode. And that might be to do with their comedic performance or just the character getting what they want or the character acting in a human kind way. Yeah. Um, so who's your, who's your sort of most valuable player in, in this episode? I think Barbara. For, right. For, for, for being on board and getting dragged along um, with the enthusiasm because I can really identify with, with, with her. Okay. And I've, I've gone for Tom, which is probably the first and last time that I'll ever do that <laughs> because Tom takes, Tom takes control of his destiny and he sort of puts together a cogent plan to execute it and he manages to bring Barbara with him in a fair and equitable yes. way. Um, mm-hmm. Nearly loses a point for calling Barbara a bitch straight off the bat, but I've let him off on this occasion. <laughs> yeah, yeah. In the, words of, in the words of Rick from The Young Ones, don't you dare say anything against Felicity Kendall. <laughs> um, so yeah, so I've given it to Tom, you've given it to Barbara, so they've got a point. Yes. And we'll see how that progresses. Excellent. I don't Just think it's down. beyond the realms of imagination to say that um, we both expect Margot to win this. <laughs> yeah, yeah. She's well, um one she was, yeah once once she's there yeah it will be difficult to not just award everything to her. Oh Margo. definitely. But she's at a disadvantage in this episode as she's not in it. Um No. And the other character who's not in this episode she, not, I'm cheating a bit here but I think constitutes a character almost is the goods mm. kitchen. I think the goods kitchen yes. is like is like a character on it on its own. It's got so much Absolutely. A presence and it's it's where so much happens isn't it it's so recognizable as being the part of the the good life um and yeah it, it did in fact at one point i did question whether did the for the pilot did did they use a different sort of set altogether because it it seemed to be um obvious by its um lack of being there yeah the kitchen well i think it they recorded the pilot and one other episode to use later in the series if it got picked up. And then okay. obviously creative decisions probably meant that everything changed as it, or, or not so much changed, but grew organically yeah. as it, as it pr- pr- proceeded. And the, and the kitchen mm. became, I, I think the kitchen is, is the sort of centerpiece and the crux yes. of where all the action happens in my mind. At yes. Least. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Very recognizable. Looking forward to the kitchen being in it from here on here on out, I guess. Mm. But um, I I had a question, um, and it was a it was a, a lack of of understanding something. But you might be able to help me out. Um, when Jerry goes to pick Tom up in the final scene where Tom's ditched his job, Jerry's got a plaster over his eye. Is that explained? Oh, yeah. Or Ooh. I just when I saw it. I rewatched the scene previously where him and um, Margot are arguing in in the bedroom, um, and I thought, as she clunked him with something, because yeah. he, he has a plaster husband? over his eye. Yeah, he's got a plaster over his eye. I might need to revisit again and just. He didn't. Um, he didn't clock his head when he was shutting the window or something. That's what I thought. Is it something? That he's just caught his caught his head, and I, I might need to just revisit, and I'll I'll report back to the, Do you know the what? next episode. You, we'll we'll probably never know this, but it's probably Paul Eddington was pissed the previous night, and he fell over, <laughs> smacked his so head. So was a gin. 
Yeah, probably. Gin and It'll be the gin, <laughs> Jesus, yeah, drinking gin at nine a.m. No wonder he's got a oh. bloody bad head. And there was another um, another thing that um, struck me because I'm I'm quite a big fan of um, like brutalist architecture and concrete and um, new towns and the look of sort of like seventies suburbia. Um, which I know it, it it's it can be quite dull and um, off-putting, but I I just find it quite fascinating. So that when they pull up outside um, work at the JJM offices, mm-hmm. um, that building was actually part of the Thames Valley University at that time, and they'd used that. But it's now in I think it's now been demolished, but it was in disrepair for years and years. And online there are pictures of the inside of of the actual building itself. Um, just rotting, but someone's been in and, and sort of broken into it and taken photographs, which I, I found personally quite interesting. Um, wow. And I, I didn't and, know that, and, but then I've got sciatica. Well, there we go. Why would you know then? <laughs> good, good life, good life, good life, good life, good life, good life, good life. So if you've enjoyed listening along um, and you want to get in touch, um, we'd love to hear from you, um, whether it's good or bad. Um, get in touch via Facebook through Sado Podcast, on Twitter at Sado Podcast, and on the website at Sado.club. Um, and it'd be great if you want to subscribe and leave us a review on iTunes or wherever you listen. Okay, so um, if you want to join us next week, um, we're having a deep dive into the second episode, Say Little Hen. See you then. Bye. Bye.